Okay, and our reading, still First Chronicles. Um, and it's First Chronicles chapter 16, and we're beginning at verse 7 to verse 18, and then moving on to verse 31 to verse 36. And you can follow on in the Pew Bible or on the screen. And there's no hard words, um, which is great for me. Okay, so First Chronicles chapter, verse, or chapter 16, reading from verse 7. That day David first appointed Asaph and his associates to give praise to the Lord in his manner. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength, seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. You, his servants, the descendants of Israel, his chosen one, the, G the children of Jacob. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the promises he made for a thousand generations. The covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore with Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. And then moving on to verse 31. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let the trees of the forest sing. Let them sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Cry out, save us, God, our Saviour. Gather us and deliver us from the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And all the people said, Amen, and praise the Lord. Thank you, Elaine. Thank you so much. We're continuing on in our Resolved series this morning in 1 Chronicles, um, chapter 16 this morning. Um, there was a moment at the Passion 24 conference um, in early January. It's a, a large, massive student gathering, um, young adult uh, gathering in Atlanta, Georgia. Every um, January, every turn of the year, they gather. There were 55,000 students in attendance at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And there was, um, this year at the conference, there was a, a moment um, a moment where all who were there um, would describe it as a moment where, where heaven touched earth. Um, a moment when it looked like the magnitude of, of worshipping students, 55,000 of them could feel the breath of heaven um, over them. Um, God was at work in an amazing way and all of their young hearts were gripped um, with a sense of the glory and the presence of God um, as they sang hallelujah, hallelujah for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Holy, holy are you Lord God Almighty. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. You are holy. 
Um, you can see that little snippet, one of the students, somebody's recorded it, um, and there's this glimpse of what went on um, in that particular moment at this conference, but it was an incredible worship moment as the gathered crowd sang, Worthy is the Lamb, the Lord God Almighty reigns. You are holy. We're at the point in 1 Chronicles 16 when the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God's presence, has been successfully, and now correctly, um, if you've been journeying with us, um, David and the Israelites got it all wrong the first time. But the Ark of the Covenant is now brought back successfully in the right manner, back into the center of God's people. And we read in chapter 16 that David places it inside a, a special tent that he has made, um, that he has pitched and prepared for the Ark um, of the Covenant, the Ark of God's presence. And its arrival as the ark comes into the center of God's people in this incredible moment, it results in this intensified moment of praise and worship and adoration as the people celebrate the glory and the goodness and the holiness of God. Um, and we are brought into that moment this morning. I'm sure that moment in the Mercedes-Benz arena in early January had nothing on this. As amazing as that moment, uh, I'm sure it was, and I would have loved to have been there, I don't think it had anything on this moment that we're brought into in 1 Chronicles chapter 16. Maybe it did. But this moment in 1 Chronicles 16 is a wonderful, incredible worship moment. We read that David appointed some of the Levites. They were responsible for helping the people of Israel in their worship. They were responsible for directing the worshiping life of God's people. And David appoints them to minister before the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Presence of God. There to extol, to thank, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. And we read that musicians were gathered and they were to make music to the Lord. That's why sung worship is so important. It's a fundamental part of who we are as the people of God, that we will always gather like this to sing and to make music and to worship the Lord in song. So we're in this incredible worship moment in 1 Chronicles 16. And then we're told the manner in which David instructs Asaph and his associates to praise and worship the Lord. And we're given this poem of praise that is recorded for us. And it's stunning in its content. I wonder what your favorite worship song is. As you're sitting there, well, just think about it. What, what are your favorite lyrics to sing? How strong are those lyrics? What do those lyrics declare about the greatness and the glory of the God that we worship? What's your favorite worship song? Well, this poem, this song in, in 1 Chronicles 16 has it all. It's incredible in its content. It's a combination, actually, of three psalms brought together. Psalm 96, Psalm 105, and Psalm 106, they kind of come together into this wonderful song of praise. And it contains three sections of worship. Each section begins with this incredible invitation to thanksgiving and praise. Verse 8 is the beginning of one section. Give praise to the Lord. Pray, uh, proclaim his name. 
make known among the nations what he has done. And then the second section begins at verse 23. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Proclaim his name or his salvation day after day. And then verse 34, give thanks to the Lord. Why? For he is good and his love endures forever. This song is laced with just incredible, brilliant, beautiful, praise-infused lyrics like this. We read over and over again that we're to sing praise to the Lord. We're to glory in his holy name. We're to worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness, the Lord who is from everlasting to everlasting. There's a number of of really important and significant theological themes in this song, but I want to pick out just two this morning. Um, Two big themes that I that I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will will implant and bring to life again within your heart. Two big themes that I want you to carry out those doors and, and live out the truth of again this week. The first one is this. God always keeps his promise. God always keeps his promise. And number two, God's love will never fail. If you're a note taker, Take those two headings down. Write those two big points down. God always keeps his promise and God's love will never fail. God always keeps his promise. Verse 15, we read this incredible truth. He, God, remembers his covenant forever. The promise that he made for a thousand generations. Let me read that again. He remembers his covenant forever, the promise he made for a thousand generations. You see, the people of God can worship God because he always keeps his promises. If you're new to the Christian life and if you're new to the Bible's big story, you need to know that how God has related to us as human beings from the very beginning is based on this idea of covenant. He's a God of of covenant. And a covenant is just a binding promise or, or agreement that cannot be broken. A binding promise or agreement that cannot ever be broken. As one commentator summarizes the kind of this theme of covenant within the scriptures, he says, God made a covenant with Abraham regarding a land, a nation, and a blessing. God made a covenant with Israel as a nation regarding a law, sacrifice, and their choice of blessing or curse. God made a covenant with David regarding the specific lineage of the Messiah. And God has made a covenant with all who would believe in his son, Jesus. The new covenant made possible in and through his blood. That's the covenant God has made with us. Covenants are like the theological glue that that bind God's promises. What God has said will come to pass with the fulfillment of God's promises, those moments when his promises made to us come to pass, come to their fulfillment. Covenants are like the glue that bind all of that together. And so it's really appropriate at this moment in 1 Chronicles 16, as the Ark of the Covenant arrives in the center of God's people, that the song that they sing 
would declare the praises of God as a God of covenant-keeping promise. God who keeps his promise made for a thousand generations. He remembers his covenant forever. In an article entitled, A World of Frauds and Broken Promises, what, uh, who can we trust? Good title for an article. In a world of frauds and broken promises, who can we trust? The author, Andrew Voigt, writes this. He says, let's get brutally honest with ourselves. Can we do that for a moment? Let's get brutally honest with ourselves. He says, humanity, this is you and me, we're incredibly inconsistent. Despite our tendency to screw everything up, God is outside the human condition. How incredible is it to know that even when the entire world seems to be filled with fakers and frauds, we can trust God to be the same as he was yesterday, a year ago, and five billion years prior. Have you ever been let down by someone? Have you ever been let down by some of your laughing? Have you ever been let down by somebody in your life? Have you ever come across a faker or a fraud? Maybe they've knocked on your door or you've received a phone call about something or an email that comes through. Have you ever been frustrated with a faker or a fraud in your world? Or are you fed up with Promise breakers. People who promise the world and deliver nothing. I wonder, are you fed up with people whose word is not binding? They say things, but they do not keep to those things. God is not like that. Listen to Numbers 23, 19. God is not human that he should lie, not a human being, that he should change his mind? Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? It's good to know, isn't it? God is not like human beings who say things but don't act upon those things. God is not a human being that he should or can lie. If you're a Christian, if you're in Christ, in Jesus God's promises are both yes and amen. Yes, you're getting there. Yes and amen. If you're new to our church, I love a little bit of response. It's great when people at least show that they're awake. <laughs> if you're a Christian, God's promises are both yes and amen. amen. Totally foolproof. Totally foolproof. Watch how I pick up now with your encouragement. I'll really get into this. Listen to 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. What a scripture. For no matter how many promises God has made, right? No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. God's promises are both yes and amen. Yes, and amen. You can trust him. You can. If you're here this morning and you're wavering between, can I trust this God that he gets up and speaks about every Sunday? 
Can I trust this God that they sing about? This God that they worship every week when they gather? Yes, you can. His promises are always yes and amen. Not only are God's promises over your life guaranteed, but his protection over your life is assured too when you trust in him. You see, God has you. When you give your life to Jesus, he has you. He will not ever let you down. He will not fail you. You need to know this about him. I need to remind you about this this morning. David needed reminded of that. David and the people of Israel, they needed reminded of this. Remember, Saul had messed things up. Saul had not inquired of the Lord. And David, we've been journeying through this. David is intent on being a man whose heart is resolved after the heart of God. He's giving himself to God in trust, in surrender. He needs to know that he can trust God, that God will never let him down. See, the people, we are to praise God because he always keeps his promise. Isn't that really good? God always keeps his promise. Secondly, 1 Chronicles 16 reminds us that we're to praise God because God's love will never fail. Are you still with me? Are you still with me? Yeah. God's love will never fail. Verse 34, we read this, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. This wonderful phrase is repeated twice in this chapter, and it appears a number of times throughout the Psalms. I'm sure you've come across that that verse before if you're familiar with the Bible. And the word that's translated love is actually the Hebrew word hesed. And it's a vital biblical word. It, it, It appears in the scriptures over and over again. The Bible project describes hesed as an act of promise keeping loyalty that is motivated by deep personal care. That's the love of God. God's love goes to work. It's an act of love. God's hesed is an act of promise, keeping loyalty that is motivated by deep personal care. And in the Bible, we see that human beings are to show this hesed love to one another, but the most enduring and the most prominent and the most pure form of this hesed love is, of course, God's love for us. God's hesed love is a loyal love. His love is a loyal love over your life. His love is a steadfast love. His love is a resolved love. It's unfailing. It's a love stronger than any love you could ever, ever imagine. It's a loyal love. And when God reveals in Exodus chapter 34, really important moment of of self-revelation, God reveals himself. When God does that, it's really important that we take note of what he says about himself. In Exodus 34, God appears to uh, Moses is in the presence of God and God speaks um, to Moses and he reveals who he is. It's this moment of self-disclosure self-revelation and one of the ways that God describes himself to Moses 
is God who is overflowing, abounding with steadfast love. That's who he is. He's a God abounding, overflowing in steadfast, said love, loyal love, love that will not fail, resolved love. See, the biblical authors, they understood that human life is fragile. Do you ever feel like your life is fragile? Like it could all go wrong at any moment? Like the wheels could fall off? That your own health could, could deteriorate, deteriorate really quickly? That something could go really badly wrong within your family at any moment? The people that you worry the most about? Life is fragile. And here in our church family, we talk about that. We, we don't shy away from the reality that this life on earth is tough. And life, human life, is fragile. We feel the pain of it all the time. We feel weak all the time. The, the biblical authors, they understood that. They don't shy away from how fragile life really is. They understood that as, as human beings, we're constantly surrounded by threats of nature. Disasters can't happen to us. We're constantly surrounded by the hostility of other human beings, let's be honest. We're surrounded by, or we're surrounded within, you know, the kind of weaknesses within ourselves. Those things that we struggle with, that, that go on within our hearts. And that's not to mention Satan, the enemy of God, and his destructive intention for your life and mine. The biblical, biblical authors, they totally understood all of that, that life is fragile, that life is really difficult. And so whenever we read of this said love in the Bible, it's a recognition that steadfast, loyal love really is our only true hope in this life. We need it. We need this love. And it's only found in God. If you're not a Christian... You will only find this kind of love in God, in the person and work of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit of God. I wonder what you're placing all of your hope in. You placing your hope in the passing things of this world? You young people, it's your moment to wake up. Nudge them, mom and dad, if they're here. What are you placing all of your hope in, you young people? What are you going to give your life to? What do you think is going to give you fulfillment and joy and blessing forevermore? What do you think it's going to be? Where are you looking for love? What kind of love are you looking for? Where are you placing all of your hope? You need to know, and we all need to know, that there is a God of absolute, steadfast, loyal love. A love that preserves and protects us. A love that fights for us. A love that desires our your flourishing in this world, in this broken world. The loyal love of God wants to see you flourish. You young people, do you hear me? You mums and dads and older people, do you hear me? Without this love, 
we are forever lost. We're forever lost. We need to know that the Lord is good and his love endures forever. Goodness and love. The goodness of God and the love of God. The Lord is good and his love endures forever. It's good to be sure of some things in life, isn't it? It's good to be sure. I wonder what you're sure about. Um, I, I read a, or listened to a story just the other day, and then I watched the clip online. Imagine you were faced with giving an answer to a question that could win you one million pounds. It'd be good to have a sure answer, wouldn't it? Well, on the November 19th, 1999 episode of Millionaire, John Carpenter, this gentleman here, he proceeded, he got all the way to the end um, of, of the million, to the million dollar question, it was in America, he, he proceeded to the million dollar question without using a single lifeline. I mean, what a brain he must have had. And then at the million dollar question, he, he asked if he could use his phone a friend, you remember that? He wanted to use his phone a friend, um, Lifeline, to call his dad. But he didn't need the answer. It's an amazing moment, by the way. He didn't need the answer. He said, hi, dad. The world was watching. Hi, dad. I don't really need your help. I just wanted to let you know that I'm going to win the million dollars. <laughs> and that was it. He gave the answer with his dad still on the phone, um, and he won, he won the million dollars without using a single lifeline. Brilliant moment. He was so sure of the answer to a question that I would have had no idea about. That's it on screen. It's good to have a sure answer, isn't it? It's good to be sure and certain about some things. At the end of Psalm 23, you know the shepherd's psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. At the end of the shepherd's psalm, David, King David, the one whose life we're looking at at the moment in 1 Chronicles, David, the author, he concludes in verse 6 by saying this. He says, surely, there it is, surely, certainly, without doubt, he says, surely, surely your goodness and your love or your hesed, your mercy. It's translated in lots of different, different ways. Surely, God, your goodness and your loyal love, your steadfast love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and love. Love and goodness. The goodness of God. His loyal love. To be a Christian is to be sure of that. To follow Jesus is to know that surely, surely, without doubt, the goodness of God is going to follow me all the days of my life. To be a Christian is to know that there's a loyal love. Hey, let that sink in. There is a loyal love. There is a steadfast love. There is a love that will hold you and will follow you all 
the days of your life. If you're not a Christian, I want you to hear that. I want you to know that God is good and his love endures forever. The goodness and the steadfast, loyal love of our God. See, Jesus is the good shepherd. He's out before us. Are you, are you following him into your week? Remember, this is the lesson. You're not just remembering to pray at the end of your week. You've quit that, haven't you? You've left that behind, that old bad habit. Remember, Jesus is the good shepherd. He goes out in front of us. At the beginning of every week, we, we put our lives behind his and we say, Lord, you know what's in front of me. I give myself again to you this week. Jesus is the good shepherd. He goes out before us. He leads us. He quietens our souls. He provides for us. He protects us. And he keeps us. He's the good shepherd of our souls. But here's the thing. Goodness and love. Somebody described goodness and love like two sheepdogs. They kind of round us up. I think it's a good image. I thought it was at least. They're like two sheepdogs that round us up. As we follow Jesus, goodness is, is on one side of us and the loyal love of God is on the other. And they keep us on the path of following Jesus. Surely goodness and loyal love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell forever with my God. Goodness and loyal love. Why don't you stand with me? Are your hearts warmed? Let's stand together. We're going to worship Wow, it's only 12 o'clock midday. We're doing really well this morning. We're going to praise God in a moment. Um, just as we do prepare our hearts to praise him. He is worthy of our response. In fact, the word of God, I've come to learn, the word of God demands response. Demands a response. Indifference is not the response. Apathy is not the response either. The word of God always calls for, draws out of us a response, demands a response from our hearts. We're going to praise God in a moment because he always keeps his promises and because his loyal love will never fail us. But 1 Chronicles is constantly pointing us towards Jesus. The Son of God, who is the pinnacle of God's promises to us. Jesus, presented as God's greatest display of love for you and for me. In love, he gave himself for us. In love, he laid his life down for the sins of this world. In love, he died for you. And in love, he died for me. He is the good shepherd of our soul. He's the Lamb of God slain for the sins of this world. He's the Lion of Judah and he's the King of Kings. Only, only when we place our trust in him can we know and experience, truly experience the unfailing promises of God and his loyal love over our lives that will follow us all the days that we live until we dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's why I do this. It's why I stand up here and speak about these things. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know him. 
good shepherd. Can't imagine how good he is. I want you to know him. But I want you to trust him. I want you to trust that his promises will never fail you. Do you need that? His promises will never fail you. His loyal love will never let go of you. Never let you down. You can trust him with your everything. You see, 1 Chronicles 16, really interestingly, it's full of invite. It's full of invite that all the peoples of the earth would know about this resplendent king, this God of steadfast love and whose promises will never fail. It's full of invite. And the invite is extended to you this morning again. If you're a believer, to worship him for who he is. But if you're here among us and you're not a Christian, we're so thankful that you're here. In fact, we're blown away that that you're actually with us. We love that you're here. I mean that. We love that you're here. But we're praying that, that something of the word of God will have gripped your heart so much that you can't leave here this morning without giving your life to Jesus, the good shepherd of your soul, trust in his promises and in his loyal love. So Heavenly Father, as we stand and as we prepare to worship you, Lord God, we know that we cannot be indifferent when the word of God speaks. We cannot ignore when the Holy Spirit is at work in our hearts and in this place. And so, Father, we pray that you would give us courage as we worship to respond to you, as our gathering finishes in just a few moments' time, that if there is anyone in this place who wants to to, to step over that line of faith and give their life to King Jesus, that they would do that before they leave this place this morning. So, Lord God, come. Let this place be an altar of surrender where we lay our hearts down before you. Lord God, we thank you that you're good and that your love endures forever. Help us to worship you in song as a response for who you are and all that you've done. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.